In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verses 24, 25, 26, and 27, there's a lot written that Bible scholars have tried to study for a long time. And when we try to understand these verses, it's very difficult. So I'm going to go through these verses one uh, thing at a time real quick. And this will be kind of a quick overview of what they mean. And then in the next podcast, I want to explain them a little bit. And then the third podcast after that, what I want to do is talk about the transgression a little bit, just because it's something that's interesting to me right now. And so let's get started with the book of Daniel chapter 9. And we're going to go into verses 24, 25, 26, and 27. The last four verses of this chapter. And um, when we read this, um, we we know that Daniel was praying. Gabriel came and spoke to him. Gabriel's an angel. And when we read this, we also know that these are prophecies that Bible scholars aren't sure about. Were these fulfilled or not? And the answer is we can find the answer at in the last verse. This has to do with uh, something that will happen in the future. So these were never fulfilled, and we also know it from what we're about to read. Um, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So right away, right away we get into um, a prophecy that confuses a lot of Bible scholars. They think that the 70 weeks refers to 70 centuries or something like that, like a long period of time. Sometimes they think this, but the 70 weeks begin in the next verse from the going forth of a commandment that's never been issued. And I'll get to that in a moment. So the 70 weeks are determined. So that's it. Um, It's 70 weeks. Now, the second thing is it's not earth weeks. And the reason is a week in the earth is a seven count of days but in, in, the, in heaven, it's a seven count that takes one year. So the, in heaven, they use a holy calendar. And one day when you die and you go to heaven, you might learn more about this holy calendar. And so each year is a seven count and holy year. And there's um, it's a seven count. So we call it a week when we're in heaven. So 70 heavenly weeks are it's the same as earth years, 70 years. Now, that's how many are determined but it could take longer than this or it could get done sooner. And that's really important because we're not talking about God's ability to fulfill prophecy. We're talking about something else pertaining to the transgression. And I'll talk about that in the next podcast probably. So 70 weeks are determined. And then it says upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Now, when Gabriel said this, this is a future word that will be spoken to someone who has people and who has a city. So these words will be spoken to angels who want to have people and a city. These words will be spoken to the devil, the false prophet, and the antichrist. They want to have a city called Babylon, and they also want people to be there. And I'll explain this in the next podcast. But it will also be spoken to someone in Israel. And it doesn't say Jerusalem. It says thy holy city. And so we might talk about that in the next podcast. So what do we know? We have 70 years and then for someone to do something. And let's find out what that is to finish the transgression. Now, the transgression is the end times transgression, where the question is, who is God? Who is God? Some men will take the mark of the beast, worship his image, and worship him. Other men won't do any of those things. So that's the transgression in a nutshell. The question is, who is God? That's how I think about it now. Now, the next thing is this man needs to make an end of sins. So they need to finish the transgression in the end times. Uh, This man also needs to make an end of sins so that sins come to an end, you might say. But to make an end of sins, there's more. Each of you needs to quit sinning. 
The next thing he needs to do is to make reconciliation for iniquity. Iniquity is something that's very bad. It's like this. When we do something that's really bad, we might be sickened. So iniquity, the way I, I describe it is this. Before you even make the choice to do it, you're sickened. And then what happens is you have iniquity in your heart. So for any of you listening, you know if you have iniquity in your heart, if you think with your heart right now and you hear these words, if it makes sense, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. If you've never had iniquity in your heart, that will make no sense to you. But if you have iniquity in your heart, you'll know exactly what that means. So um, to make reconciliation for iniquity is a big problem because they need to be reconciled unto God. When somebody has a lot of iniquity, they need to be reconciled unto God. Now, what man can do this or woman? We might think Jesus Christ, we might think Messiah. And so when we think about this, we're thinking about something that's really, really important. Any of God's children that have iniquity, if they're not reconciled unto God, they might have, they might be damned, I would say. They, they might be damned. So this man has quite a task. There's a couple more things here, and I'll explain this in the next podcast, I hope. And to seal up uh, the vision and prophecy that's after to bring in everlasting righteousness so everlasting righteousness um, is um, really important if we have ev- we might say if we have everlasting righteousness they might preach us in the church someday then we might have everlasting life so um, Jesus said there's none righteous no not one but one day if you're called righteous then you might get everlasting life you could have it tomorrow hypothetically God can give you everlasting life today we don't have to wait until this big judgment hypothetically and so the sooner we have everlasting righteousness the sooner God might give us everlasting life next is to seal up the vision and prophecy so the vision is something that I've seen it's a very particular vision and one day I'll maybe describe the vision but also there's prophecy and the prophecy is already written in the Holy Bible. So we don't, the reason I'm saying that for any of you to hear this, whether you're a Christian or not, is just to let you know that there's no new prophecy. It's the same prophecy as before. And it's in actually more than one book in the Bible. So that's, that's the prophecy that Gabriel, the angel spoke of. The vision though, um, I've seen, and I don't know if anyone else has ever seen it. Okay. The last thing here is it says, and to anoint the most holy. So this is going to sound weird, but there's kind of a question of who, who's going to be the Messiah in Israel in this next verse. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. So there's going to be a bit of a contest going on. And whoever's most holy will be anointed with God's Holy Spirit. That's what we expect. That's what many of us expect. But also there are others they might be very holy angels, maybe men and women in heaven that are ghosts, maybe men and women in the earth, and they might be anointed also. Maybe not with God's spirit the same way that King David was or the way the Messiah will be anointed, but maybe in other ways. They might be anointed in another way. So uh, there's a couple of options here that I might describe in the next podcast, but here's a couple. If one of them is a priest, they might be anointed with the spirit And it's not a living spirit. It's not like witchcraft or spiritual possession, but they might be anointed with the spirit of truth or the spirit of law, God's law, or the spirit of light, actually. And they might have knowledge of light, the light of God, or the truth of God, 
or the word of God. They might be anointed with these things. So the most holy is probably those that are going to sin the least. That's one way you can think about it. It's a fun way to think about it too when you learn more about holy. It's a lot of fun, I think, for me. So then what we go on to is there's some anointings here that might happen. And then when is that going to happen? He says 70 weeks are determined to do all of these things. So whoever's most holy is probably going to be the one that's Messiah the Prince. So if anyone in the earth wants to get in on this contest, which I'll talk about later, then they, they can learn how to be holy and then choose to be holy. And that's something I might teach soon in a podcast. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. So what will happen is God will speak and then um, they'll, then in Israel, they'll restore Jerusalem. Now, the problem right now that you would have with this is Jerusalem looks fine. But there's a prophecy in chapter 1, verse 6 of the book of Isaiah. Um, I think it's verse 6. I'm going to read it really quickly. Verse 7. Your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers devour it in your presence. And it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. So, Israel is probably very soon going to be like this. There might also be a flood that comes after that, the Revelation 12 flood. And at this time, you don't have to believe what I'm saying. But in the future, after these things happen, then this podcast might be very interesting for everyone that hears it. And if you hear it from me now, then in the future, you might say, huh, that's super interesting that Dale knew these things would happen. So there's going to be a big flood. And then Jerusalem will probably be rebuilt in a new way, similar to how it was built before, but also kind of new during the time of King David, maybe. So we might think about building it in a way that people can live there and um, hear God's word. But also there'll be probably a palace built. There isn't one like that right now in Jerusalem, as far as I know. A place where King David can sit on the throne. And also there might be a throne uh, room made there for God in that palace. The same palace. Another throne. Because God will place his feet on that mountain. God might bring his own throne from heaven and we might build one. So um, uh, I might explain this more later, but now I'm going to do the quick way. So when they restore and build Jerusalem, they're also going to build the temple on the Temple Mount. And right now there's a place for Muslims to pray called Mecca. But in the future, that's going to be um, gone. And there's going to be the temple built that is from um, the one we think of in the end times. God will be there for a long time, and then the Antichrist will sit there and claim to be God. So that temple needs to be built, and so this is part of that prophecy. It'll take seven years to build it. It'll take three score and two weeks. That's another 62 weeks. Three score means three times 20. A score is 20. Three score is 20, 20, 20. So seven years until the temple's built. And when the temple's built, God will be there, and then there will be Messiah the Prince. Same place. So, um, like, God is Messiah the King. Someone else will be Messiah the Prince. And then, again, this is all for interest in the future mostly. But after this, the Bible scholars will get excited again. And then, after three score and two weeks, the question again will be, who is worthy to be the Messiah? Uh, that's what I'm expecting from this. So the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. So this is another prophecy that these things will happen even though there'll be a lot of troublous times in Israel, possibly, maybe. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. So this is really important because the prince that shall come is the Antichrist. 
The people of the Antichrist will destroy a nearby city and sanctuary, but they won't destroy the temple because the Antichrist wants to sit there and claim to be God. The end thereof shall be with a flood, but I think it's the flood written of in the book of Revelation, blood up to the horse's bridles, not water. And until the end of the war, desolations are determined. So when we think about the end of the war, what is the war that will happen at that time? Well, during the tribulation, believers will die, as it is written. But there will be a war, I think, immediately after the day of the Lord. Um, you might think of the Battle of Armageddon. And no matter when these wars happen, there will be at least one war, and there will be desolations. Now, what are the desolations here we're talking of? We can find out in the next verse. The Antichrist, who is known as the prince that shall come, he's not Messiah the prince, he's a different prince that shall come. What the Antichrist will do is confirm the covenant with many. But what, what that means is, the God and Israel have a covenant. So one day God will leave Israel and the Antichrist will sit in that temple. And then the Antichrist will claim to be God. And they'll say, well, if you're God, are you gonna do miracles? And the Antichrist might claim to be able to do miracles. And they'll say, well, if you're God, are you going to do other things? And the Antichrist might claim to be able to do other things. But also, they might say, are you going to confirm the covenant? And he might say, yes. It says here, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. But after that, he clearly won't, we would think. God doesn't say he'll stop doing it then. After that one week, it's not written what he'll do. So maybe he'll confirm it with some after one week. Uh, in like the second week. And then the third week, maybe very few. We don't know. But what we do know is what's written. Um, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. So at the temple, there's going to be the sacrifices on the altar. And the fire on the altar is supposed to stay burning day and night the entire time the temple's built and never go out. But he's going to make sure that fire goes out, probably to claim to have more power than God, saying that God can't light the fire or something. He'll probably claim that God is weak um, and not strong. That's probably what he'll claim. And then for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. So now what, what does it mean that something's desolate? It means there's no people. So he'll put the graven image, which is known as an abomination there. And then you might say, why is it called an abomination? Well, there's two ways we can think about it. One is it's a transgression of God's law. We shouldn't have graven images. So God might just call it abominations for that reason. And I think that does make sense, but there is more to it. The Antichrist, the devil, and the false prophet, they're into witchcraft. So they want to take, they want to kill you, and they want to take your spirit and soul, and they want to stick it in a graven image, because they think that will make the graven image come alive to both move and speak. And so they're going to do a lot of witchcraft in the earth before the end times. I don't want to talk about that too much, but that's their thinking. So this is another thing you can't prove at all, ever, from the Bible or anything else. I don't think you can really prove this in a strong and compelling or convincing way. But I've said it, and maybe you'll believe it, maybe you won't. But <coughs> no matter what you think about the abomination of desolation, it is the graven image, the image of the beast, we might call it. Now, it'll be overspread there, and the people will just leave, because it's stupid. That's what I think. But um, that's how I say it. But they'll just leave, and so it'll be desolate. There won't be people there. And so when it says here, until the end of the war, desolations are determined, there's a couple kind of desolations. Well, if everyone dies in an area, that area is desolate. There's no people there. 
And so if there's a lot of war in one city, everyone dies, that city's desolate now. Also with the graven image, the image of the beast, which is like a stone statue, um, that will be overspread. And again, it will be desolate. But also there might be other desolations, maybe because of the lack of food in the end times. People can't buy and sell without the mark of the beast and there will be a lack of food. So people might just go to where the food is trying to get food and other places might become desolate. So desolations are determined. Um, I'm almost done here, which is great. So in the midst of the week, he'll cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now you can call the oblation incense, which is not a sin to burn before God because angels do burn incense before God in heaven. Actually, they can do this and we can do it in the earth. We just don't burn it to a false God like Aaron's two sons. For those of you that are Bible scholars, you know that Aaron's two sons died when they tried to burn incense to false gods in the tabernacle of Moses. But at this time, in the, well, actually in the future, we might burn incense again. But you also could talk about the oblation, meaning the smoke that goes up from the altar. That's a sweet savor unto the Lord. You might call that oblation. But also, there is another way to think about oblation. Speaking righteous words might be one way to think about it. Which might be also likened unto a sweet savor in the Lord's nostrils. Speaking righteous words might be similar. Speaking, about, speaking the words of the law and things like that might be similar to an oblation. And it is wise that you consider this before God's in Israel and that you continue to do it the entire time through the end times if you're alive in the earth that long. Because then you'll be more prepared for what happens in heaven and also the resurrection, what you often call the millennial reign of Christ. Because after that, I'll speak a great deal more about oblation and stuff. Now it says here, for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto the consummation. Now the consummation is very simple. Fire consumes. So if we put wood in a fire, the wood is consumed as it burns. And also there are other things we could speak about. If a man is burned in fire, he is consumed. He might be reduced to ashes. So the consummation is something that we can... Um, find in the Bible over and over again. When we found out about Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the angels talked about Lot leaving, and if he didn't, they said, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And so we know what happened with um, Sodom and Gomorrah, because we can read in the book of Genesis chapter 19. And so when, when we go through this, we have um, verse 15 and verse 17 in the book of Genesis chapter 19, just for Bible scholars, if you want the reference. And then in Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So we got a mention there of consumed. The cities were consumed and God rained fire and brimstone. So when we find out about the consummation, we're, we're talking here about, about that fire and now there's more mentions of this in the bible about um consumed and consummation and we can find those in um the book of uh psalms let the sinners be consumed out of the earth for instance and we might think about fire 
Psalm 78 says, the fire consumed their young men. That's verse 63. There's another mention, consume them in wrath, consume them that they may not be. That's Psalm 59, verse 13. And if you want to find these, just search for the word consume. Now, also, when we read about consumption here, for the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. That's Isaiah 10, verse 23. And so this might be a forewarning of later destruction. God says, for yet a very little while and the indignation shall cease and mine anger in their destruction. So he says consumption, then their destruction. But also, we hear about his anger. So, that's Isaiah 10, but there's another um, another mention I want to talk about. One more before I go any farther. Because a lot of you might have questions about, about this consumption. Is it really fire? Here, God talks about those that go to the temple. And then they pretend to be, um, you know... They, he doesn't really say it here, but we might think they pretend to go to the temple to pray or do something good in God's eyes, something right in God's eyes is what they might be trying to do. But then, or they want to appear that way. But then they leave the temple so they might go to sanctify themselves to be holy and then they might leave and they might do a bunch of abomination things. Eating, eating garbage. Now they do this, this thing called abomination. I don't want to tell you what that is. But there's different things they do that are abomination. But they want to eat swine's flesh and the mouse. And they also want to eat other things that are really gross. And so he says, those that do these, do both, shall be consumed. Isaiah 66, um, verse 17. Mentions that. Now before that, God talks uh, about uh, some other things. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, there's a mention here of a consumption determined upon the whole earth. Verse 22, Isaiah 28, verse 22. So that's pretty frightening. So when we're talking about this consumption uh, being consumed, what, what we find here over and over again is that um, it's related to fire. Deuteronomy 28, the Lord shall smite thee with the consumption and with the fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue you, pursue thee, he wrote, until thou perish. So when we think about this, we can think, why would he say this if to, to them in Israel? He said, if they don't hear the voice of the Lord their God and to do all that God has commanded then he lists a bunch of things that will happen to them. Well what happens during the time of the tribulation? They worship the Antichrist. They don't do what God says but also they refuse to hear God's word. That's in the Old Testament over and over again. So when we talk about what happens in the book of Daniel chapter 9 verses 24, 25, 26 and 27, what we're talking about is something that's really, really, really simple to understand but difficult to find out about. When we read about the consummation That's something we can find in the Old Testament. 
only. That word is only mentioned one time in the Bible. So we got to find other words, consumed, consume, consumption, and then we find those cross-references. And then you know what it means. So there's a consummation determined, it looks like. So I'm going to tell you about that. But also, it says here, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So I want to make that make this really, really clear what that verse means. Because there's a bunch of stuff that's mentioned, and then something determined shall be poured upon the desolate. What What is determined? Well, God wrote a lot about this in the Old Testament, actually, but we just got to bounce around through verses. So one thing that's um, determined is the overflowing scourge, the overflowing scourge. And that's in Isaiah 28, verses 15 and 18. So the agreement with hell and the covenant with death is something that has happened in heaven and then once it happens in the earth before the day of the Lord, many of you will see it, hear about it, and know about it because the false prophet won't shut the fuck up about it. He won't. I mean, he's going to talk about it day and night probably. So when this finally happens in the earth, at this time today, you might think this sounds weird. But once he's in the earth, he's going to try to get everyone in the earth to make a contract with the devil and an agreement with hell and a covenant with death. And then, so what God says is when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then... Um, those that choose this, you might think there's more to Isaiah 28, actually a lot more. God says, then ye shall be trodden down by it. So we can find out who they are in the book of Isaiah chapter 28. It might be you who hears this or someone else you know, or maybe one of your children or your children's children. They might actually do these things. So when we talk about warning them about the, um, the Antichrist, it's not just worshiping him, his mark, and the, his image, but it's also, we don't make a covenant with death, an agreement with hell. We don't make a contract with the devil, a contract with the false prophet. We don't sell our soul. I mean, there's a huge list of nonsense that the false prophet's going to try to get us to do. And the false prophet never shuts up. So when he's in the earth, he's probably just going to talk and talk and talk about this stuff. And then it won't be a big mystery. Uh, so this time I'm just talking a little bit about it. So when we get uh, again through these verses in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24, through 27, here's kind of what we get. Very soon in the earth, at a time God chooses, this will happen. Now, you don't have to believe me at this time uh, about it because it's something that we'll see. It'll be part of our life. We'll know about it. It's not something that you have to believe right now. But very soon, the false prophet, the devil, and the antichrist will be in the earth. When they come, it'll actually be really awkward because those three are really, really awkward men. Uh, and then when it happens, this will just be kind of like normal history. So I'm going to explain it in the next podcast, but I'm going to summarize this now. We've got 70 weeks to do what you might call holy things, to finish this transgression, to make an end of sins, to reconcile men to God, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So we know exactly what this time is about. And then we know what will happen. Jerusalem will be restored and built. There'll be Messiah the Prince. Everyone will know it. That's in this passage. In addition, God will be in the earth, and everyone will know that. When God's in the earth, it's a big deal. It, it'll be a huge deal. No one's going to miss it. And there's a verse that makes that really clear. Uh, when God is in the earth, it's in the book of Nahum, chapter 1. Um, that God will be in the earth... Um, and a bunch of he'll do a bunch of stuff that we won't miss. The mountains quake at him and the hills melt and the earth is burned to his presence. 
yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Well, that's fucking terrifying. Everyone in the earth will burn at God's presence. And the next line is a question, who can stand before his indignation? So nobody's going to miss this day. If everyone in the earth is being burned, everyone, then no one's going to miss it. And then we know that God is good. So no one's going to miss this stuff. When God's in the earth, it's not going to be like all the times in the past where false prophets claimed to speak for God. So we got a time in the future when these things will happen and it's all foreordained. And then it's just a waiting period, you might say, as all these things come to pass. And then... The Antichrist won't be worthy to be the prince. Remember, there's a contest. The Antichrist won't be the most holy. The Antichrist is unholy. And you guys will, in the earth, you'll hear about this over and over again. What is holy? What is unholy? I mean, you'll hear it over and over again. And then there'll be men that will tell you what holy is in Israel if you go there. I mean, can tell you. There will be those men. And so then the Antichrist will come at the 69th week. And so you got a clear countdown. Everyone wanted to know, as a Christian, when the end times will come. A bunch of non-Christians have wanted to know throughout history. A whole bunch. Once this all happens, then we got a, a countdown. 69 years. And then the Antichrist will come. And then he'll do these things. It's clearly him. He's going to put an end to the sacrifice, the oblation. And he's going to fill that whole area with stones that are carved like a man. And there'll be, and people will leave, and then a bunch of stuff will happen, including the consummation and also things that are determined to be poured out upon the desolate. So, how can we find out about this desolate stuff? Well, if we go to the Bible in the Old Testament and we search for the word desolate, we can find it's mentioned over and over again in the Bible. And you can learn a lot about the word desolate. It's mentioned in the book of Jeremiah over and over again. And that was written during the time of their captivity. It talks about cities that will be waste and desolate without an inhabitant. And that's it. That's the short version. 